everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking with Devin Jones. Thank you for joining me today, Devin. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So, Devin, if you could tell my listeners a bit about yourself, that would be great. Uh, yeah, so I was um, born in Calgary, Alberta. I spent um, a little bit of my very young life in the city. Um, both my parents were uh, entrepreneurial people, so they were always working and building their business and trying to support the family. And um, I ended up moving around a lot when I was little, and uh, we finally ended up settling. Um, I, I think I was like eight or nine. We ended up settling in a, on a farm in a really small rural town, Alberta. And uh, I attended school in Chestermere, and um, it, it didn't go very well for me. <laughs> I, uh, I ended up dropping out of high school um, just before the end of grade 11, I think it was, or in the middle of grade 12. Um, I, I didn't get along with a lot of people, and I, I got a lot of reasons why now that I'm a little bit older and wiser and kind of, you know, hindsight's 2020 looking back on all of it. But, um, I, I really struggled socially to fit in with people and, um, and, and connect, you know, on a, on a personal level, I had a hard time trusting people because of, you know, just the amount of times when I was really little bouncing around, you make a friend and then that friend is gone. You make new friends and those friends are gone. So that kind of became part of my model for, what socialization was. I never really understood the importance of having a deep and meaningful relationship with somebody. So that kind of led me to be a, a bit of an outcast. I was kind of an emo skater kid. Um, I got caught up with the wrong crowd, I guess uh, you could say, and um, ended up doing uh, just a lot of partying and drugs and that kind of thing, making bad decisions. And uh, The one thing that pulled me through all of it and kind of kept me glued together was um, I, I was about 14 years old. Uh, my dad bought me uh, a guitar for Christmas and um, like a little electric guitar amplifier kind of kit thing. So I started playing music and tried to make a band and the, um, the number of bands that I was in and out of just kind of showed me it solidified that idea that I just don't work well with others. And so I kind of went out on my own and me and my brother, we started up uh, our own little thing. And as much as I loved, you know, singing songwriting, I was horrible at it. <laughs> so my brother one day after watching a movie, I don't know if anybody knows the movie, but um, the movie's called Hustle and Flow. And it's about a, a young guy who um, kind of, dips his toe into the hip-hop world and gets he goes through a bunch of turmoil ends up getting arrested and stuff and um in the end his song kind of broke free and and became popular and uh, happily ever after but it kind of inspired me and my brother to try our hand at making hip-hop music and so um we did that for a little while started a record label uh while i was running the record label with my brother and my dad um 
I'd say about maybe eight years into it, we kind of hit a roadblock. We weren't, um, we weren't growing as artists. We weren't getting the fans that we needed to enter social media. We tried to do the whole um, get famous like Justin Bieber thing. That didn't pan out either. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the whole time, I, I really struggled with my uh, you know, depression and anxiety that circled around this idea that I just, no matter what I did, I was always second class. I was never good enough. I didn't um, I didn't fit in. I, I, I don't know. All of that kind of led to um, a project that I worked on that was kind of the cornerstone of my healing. And it's something that I, I've always really wanted to speak to, but I never really felt like I could do it well. Um, so the project's called Journal of Suicidal Artists. And it was meant to be my own kind of... Um, just several songs as entries in a metaphoric diary of uh, just the, you know, the internal battle, the things that go on inside of you. Um, while just before all that happened, I got, I, I got married, had a kid, got divorced. Um, I was out on my own. The record label failed. I, I just, I was facing a lot of like really, really deep, um, deep traumas from from all of that and, and a number of other things when I was growing up and so uh doing this album to me was supposed to be my way to kind of break free of it I ended up I, I realized halfway through the project that I, I just couldn't do it alone because it was leading me down some very dark paths um so I recruited some artists in my city and we completed the project together there was uh 15 of us we all did interviews. We all did the music. We, we did songs together and um, put that out. And I still to this day don't think that it got uh, enough uh, attention. It, it should, definitely should have gotten a lot more, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. So with the failure of that, I, I found myself at kind of a turning point where I had dug myself so deep into this really, really dark space by exploring all these really, really dark ideas and um, needing healing. So at some point <clears throat> after probably about maybe six months after the project released, I, I really started to seek help from, um, anywhere I could get it really. So one of the, uh, one of the things that really kind of changed that path for me in that trajectory, because I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like in those moments, uh, I really, it was really, really dark for me. So facing suicide and just kind of ending it all and not really seeing a purpose in life, you know, just feeling like a insignificant speck of dust on a big rock that in the grand scheme of things is also an insignificant speck of dust. <laughs> um, so I had to do some real self-discovery and uh, thank God for YouTube because I, I spent a great deal of time looking for for help from people in, in the only way that I knew how, which was you know, just listening to other people talk about their stories, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. And so the major turning point for me was when I was kind of forced to do some, and I, I really mean this when I say it, like radical uh, accountability. So 
diving into the decisions and the choices that I've made throughout my life and the things that I've experienced. Um, and it kind of led me to dig up some of my really, really early traumas. Like when I was in uh, junior high, uh, because we were on a, we're on like a rural road and there's a major highway that passes by our high school. Um, our buses that pick us all up had to cross over this major highway. Um, and this morning there was a, a kid that was coming from high school uh, trying to get into town really quickly to get some breakfast or something like that. And uh, at the same time, a bus was crossing the road and he, his car hit that bus and my bus was Im immediately behind that bus in line to like, to like keep going. So everybody in that scenario, we all kind of witnessed this really tragic, horrific event. And I never really processed it. So when I was going back through all of the things in my life, I, I started to notice like um, a lot of what I went through and a lot of my un, uh, unaddressed traumas stemmed around the deaths that occurred in my life as I was growing up. So it started with this guy. Um, another friend of mine was in a fight and ended up dying. Um, one of the guys that was a bully to me when I was younger, uh, him and a friend were also in a car accident. Um, and then my, my girlfriend, when I was really young, grandma died we were all in the hospital with her so there was a lot of these like death happened for me and I, I never really knew how to process it and god bless the system because <laughs> i i ended up uh, you know speak to a counselor or try and figure out who and um, i spent a great deal of time with this one counselor and, and i thought in my head that we had a really deep and meaningful relationship and uh break and when I came back I would go and say hi to her and um, just kind of catch up on everything and she didn't even remember my name so I don't know you know how deep that went but when when you kind of pour your heart, heart out to somebody feel like there's a relationship there and then they don't even remember who you are it it just kind of feel like um, everything's kind of right? The whole world around yeah. me, like all of the authority around me, everybody that was in my life, all my friends, like I remember one time, how fake my friends were. <laughs> one time, we were all supposed to go to, there was a beach um, at a lake that was very, very close to go to this one location. So all my friends told me to go. So I went there and a different location <laughs> just kind of on my own. So that was another kind of, all these like little turning points. So back and looking and reflecting at my life, um, the choices that I, I, I made, I can only take responsibility for what I went through and not for, you know, how shitty other people are. So I, I look back and, and some of the things that I was doing at, um, I was always really just looking for somebody to validate me or looking for attention, looking for somebody to prove to me that the world wasn't as false as I was. So it led to destructive behaviors, of, um, uh, me just being super needy to, to the people that were around me, which made them not really want to be around me anymore. And so a lot of the decisions that I made along the way of my own discovery was just like, it, it was like intentional. And so <clears throat> when I, when I got a little older, one of the, uh, one of the books that I ended up finding, thanks, I 
thanks to YouTube, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Joe Dispenza, you are the placebo. And in the book, he makes a very bold statement at the very beginning. He says, if you can think yourself sick, then you have the equal power to think yourself well and mental, um, you know, a mental illness or a mental health issue. I started looking back and I'm like, I did this to myself. I, the whole time I was thinking these thoughts and these thoughts led to these things. And now there's, they're manifesting in real ways where I was not just depressed and suicidal, but I was anxious and I was having like very logical, like shaking fits because of just how high anxiety I was. So through meditative practices and some serious, uh, self-awareness and I, I really truly mean radical because it nobody really wants to admit that it's that they're the reason why they are the way they are right and, and like especially me I, I didn't want to admit that I did this to myself but I remember when I was a kid in high school my principal, I got in some shit my principal took me into the office and he was talking to me and I I picked up on the things that he talked about that he was kind of a child psychologist and I was like well you know I think I'm depressed and in those moments I it was just a way for me to get out of trouble but I had to own I had to own that statement and so now I have to be depressed to my friends I have to be depressed to my family I have to be depressed to the faculty to manipulate them to get what I want of life and so that level that deep 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 level of self-radical um helped me uh really start to correct some of the behaviors some of the narrative the stories that I was always telling myself like um <laughs> One of the one of my mentors uh, put it like this: "There is no prize uh, in the victim Olympics, and the longer you um, compete against other people to be the biggest victim, um, the longer you're going to stay trapped in that space. And at the end of it, there is no prize to it. The, the prize is, is you're still depressed and feeling terrible, and and having no friends and family in life and whatever else. And so um, that was." Uh, was a huge part of me making a big change in my life. Now I'm my kid. He's six years old. He's the love of my life. We spend a, a lot of time homeschooling him. I'm started a, a new business, and I'm working towards bigger things in my life. And I, I really do owe it to you know a few select people, guys like Jordan Peterson or Tony Robbins, um, uh, the whole team at Real Social Dynamics, the Fearless Man. There's a lot of these guys like Joe Dispenza, whatever, even um, Impact Theory. These are all things that if you were in that space, um, I would totally recommend go check those people out on YouTube and just have an open mind and, 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 and really be open to the idea that you, it, it's hard work, but you can do the work and you can change those things in yourself and you can become a stronger person because of it. Because, you know, that pain and those, um, the trials that you go through, they all turn into something in the end. And I, I would liken this to somebody who wants to start exercising. You know, if you're tired and you're overweight and you have no energy, you, you know, you're always feeling gross all the time because you're eating junk food. Well, it takes some time. But if you start eating healthy and maybe regularly exercising, like just going for a walk for 20 minutes a day, just very simple things. And you do that consistently and, and they become a part of who you are, you fundamentally change at the core of, of, of your being and and you kill off that old version of yourself and you become a new version 
yourself. And that's, um, that's where the, the real pain uh, comes in is when you, when you do that, you build these muscles now, and now eventually you become stronger. And the same thing applies to you know, your mental health. You're when you constantly put yourself in these thought loops and these things, um, triggering your anxieties and whatever else, and you don't address them, uh, that muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And you'll find that um, it's easier to have an anxiety attack because that muscle knows exactly what to do to make that happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I completely um, agree with everything you're saying because um, it is we are in control of our actions and how we respond to them and how we deal with them. And they all play a factor. Um, Not addressing the root of one's issues can be, um, as you well put it, very self-destructive. And I, for one, have had plenty of emotional anxiety attacks and emotional breakdowns because I let my emotions bottle me up until I just explode. Mm. Um, luckily, that's no longer the case because I'm a grown adult. But, <laughs> but the, it, it, even if I was like 80 or 50, it could still occur. So it's really important to address it and then find the best way to heal. And for you, you seek other resources and videos and people who are well equipped with knowing how to handle um, those particular issues. Yeah, one of the big things that I remember, um, again, shout out Owen from RSD. He, he, he put it uh, the best way. Okay, so this is all based on a Tony Robbins famous quote. Uh, the pain, or you don't make change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And yeah, it hurts. It's, it's a lot of work. It's tough to change yourself fundamentally, like who you are at the core. And so Owen so cleverly put the metaphor you know, you're sitting on this island and the resources are scarce. There's not a lot of shelter. There's not a lot of food. The water isn't that great. Uh, there's no company. And, you know, you risk getting eaten every night you go to bed. But you know, if you look out to the east and you, you, you'll you see this channel that you have to swim across, um, and it's really big. It's really hard to get across there. And on the other side is a, is a, a better island with way more resources, way more shelter, way more food and all that. And the only thing stopping you is just that it's going to take a lot of work to swim across the channel to get to that other island. And so, you know what, I'm fine here as long as I don't have to do that. And at some point in your life, when, if, you, if you want to you know, heal yourself and become happier and all those other things, you have to torch the island. You have to burn all the resources down. Set ablaze the that's keeping you there so there's nothing left. And then you'll have no choice but to swim across that channel to find the bigger, better things. So for me, you know, it kind of happened accidentally when, you know, getting divorced and, you know, losing my, and all the artists that I was working with and this really big dream that we were going to travel the globe and live in the lap of luxury, all these really cool ideas uh, just went out the window one day. And, and so that my Island was torched. I had to swim across the channel to find something better and, I'll tell you, it was definitely a lot of work. It's it's an ongoing process and an ongoing journey, and um, you know, it's never going to be perfect. I know I'm not perfect. I have my moments where I, I still kind of battle with self doubt, where I don't like, uh, you know, do I can I really do these things that I set myself up to do? You know, my can I really do I have the capability to be successful, or 
you know, to have a good relationship with, you know, my now girlfriend I've been with for almost four years, like all these things I sometimes I still to this day, I'm like, I don't know if I'm good enough, if I'm doing enough. I don't know if what I have is, is right. And when you're faced with those challenges, it's that muscle that you've built, that muscle that I've built over, you know, the last few years of, of constantly working on this. It makes it me wait for me to pick this one up now. It's not as heavy as it was three years ago or four years ago, five years ago. And that's what I mean by you kind of have to train yourself into this and it doesn't happen overnight. I, I got a lot of flack when I, cause I'm the kind of guy that likes to like share the things that I learn. If you haven't already noticed. <laughs> <clears throat> so I posted a status on Facebook and it was a, a quote from, from the Joe Dispenza book saying, you know, if you can think yourself sick, you can think yourself healthy. I had a lot of people come out and attack me over that. Just saying like, Oh, I, I don't have cancer. And all of a sudden I don't have cancer. And that's not the way it works. It's, it's a constant um, attention to the idea that you have a healthy body and you start to reprogram the way that you think. And that in turn affects on a deeper level. And there's some science and, and stuff that goes into this. Um, but like in your DNA, your DNA is programmed by you. So you have the chance to affect that DNA and then, um, and then heal your body. And, and read that book, you are the placebo. There's some really, really remarkable case studies of actually happening in, in some really extreme cases with, you know, MS and cancers and things like that. But, but even for people who are struggling or suffering from the mental illness, um, that can be healed because fundamentally you thought yourself sick from the beginning, even though at this point, maybe somebody doesn't want to admit that it did take that uh, me admitting it to myself to uh, make the necessary changes. And I guess that might be part of torturing me. I hope. I um absolutely agree with you, and I commend you for pushing through with everything um you have undergone, which is quite a lot. So I truly commend you for that. Um, I do have a funny icebreaker question to try to liven up this conversation a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, which let's is do awesome. It. Um, if you could have any superpower that's not flying. Many people opt for picking for flying, so I have to take that option away. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Okay, I love this question because I'm I'm a super nerd at heart. I love um, <laughs> you know the Avengers, the D- DC, Marvel, all that. That's my that's my thing. <laughs> flying is so overrated, so I totally agree with you. Take that option off the table because anybody <laughs> would fly, but you know we got planes and jetpacks and Iron Man suits now, so we're good. That's uh, that's already out the window. Have you ever seen the movie Jumper? Um, say that again. Uh, the movie Jumper. Oh, I have seen it. I love it. My family makes fun of me all the time because I've seen it. <laughs> so around. that's the superpower that I would like. And I know it's easy. I could say teleporting, but it's not just teleporting. It's that, you know, being able to look at something and then make yourself reappear in that place. I think that that would just be so cool to do. <laughs> way cooler than flying at least <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be a cool power um my power um, see 
The thing is, I always share this power, but some people have gotten used to taking this answer. So I don't want you to, I don't want to share it and then you take it, but you, you're, I don't think you're going to take this power because you've already seen a lot of um, movies that probably don't have this power, possibly. Um, my power would be to read people's minds. Mm, yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think it comes with, um, there should be a disclaimer attached to that one because it's probably really, really scary. You know what I mean? Like thinking yeah. there are people that I've met that it's... I'm like, I probably think you're thinking some terrible things. <laughs> so I don't know if it would be the best idea. It has to come with some kind of, uh, with some kind of disclaimer though. Yeah. Um, as I've come to learn um, from people's thoughts on my particular answer um, there's many benefits to this power, and there's many flaws to this power for those who may not be emotionally ready to share one's thoughts. Mm, yeah. That might be the underlining issue. Well, you know but people who are like, powers, you know people that yeah. are like very empathetic, like w- you could go as far as to say like if they if it was a superpower, it would be called an empath. Yeah. So there's this there was this TV show that I used to watch when I was super younger. Don't judge me. Um, Charmed. It was three girls who were witches, and one of them got cursed from an empath, and she started to feel the emotions of everybody around her. And at first, it was really cool, really interesting. You know, she was able to make some um, <clears throat> make some improvements or impact somebody's life. But inevitably, and this is the curse of the power. It became so overwhelming that uh, she couldn't distinguish her own feelings from other people's feelings. And, you know, I think that on some level, we all kind of have that as a superpower. And we become, um, uh, what is it, susceptible, I guess, to other people's emotions. And we take them on as our own. We take responsibility for it. and And then it affects us. And sometimes we... We know this, right? Like if I, if my partner is grumpy, I come home from work and she kind of like shares that grumpiness with me. Now I become grumpy. And then, uh, you know, my kid, he might say something or be a little too obnoxious to that day or whatever. So now I'm grumpy to him and he comes, becomes grumpy and it becomes like really, really contagious. So I think that it's also, uh, it also points out how important it is to, be able to separate yourself from those emotions and um and compartmentalize i guess in a way does that does that, am i making sense yes you you are <laughs> making sense and um <laughs> i do um understand that whole empath ability because i consider myself to be um <clears throat> empathetic to those which can be a little draining at times yeah. because because I think of others before myself, that kind of emotionally has an adverse effect. It doesn't help with my mental state so much. But um, yeah, you. I can understand about compartmentalizing, as you put it, and trying to realize that their problem you you're not responsible to like solve every single one of their issues you can be there for them but it's not up to you to actually physically solve them yeah um jordan peterson another huge uh mentor of mine he he put it like this 
if somebody's drowning, you go out and save them and they're not trying to save themselves. And so you both, if the option is you drowned or we both drowned, uh, it's definitely going to be you. I, I can't go down with you in, in a sense of like, um, you, because you're not willing to swim with me or work with me to help save your life. You know, like a think in terms of a lifeguard. If I come out to save you because you're drowning in the ocean, there's kind of an unwritten agreement that, well, you got to start swimming then now so we can both make it back to the shore. And I get that you need my help and I'm definitely willing to help. But at the same time, if it comes down to it, there's got to be a point where I have to preserve myself. And, and the value of preserving myself uh, comes out when I actually am able to continue to help other people who are, you know, not doing well swimming. But if I drown, then all those other people that I could potentially help in the future, who nobody's going to save them, right? All right. What a, a very interesting analogy to think about, just the way that we, we take responsibility for other people's problems and take it upon ourselves to try and, you know, be the hero or save the day or fix the problem and you know, sometimes people just don't want to fix themselves or they're not in the place to do it. Um, and it might be because of that whole victim Olympics uh, perspective, you know, just thinking, uh, well, you know, oh, yeah, you went through all these things, but I went through all these things and they're way worse. It's like everybody's traumas are their own and they're still traumas. It doesn't matter how big or small it is in compared to other traumas. It's those traumas that are affecting that person. And if that person can heal themselves and then they can go out and continue to help heal other people along the way, whether that be becoming a famous, you know, public speaker, a motivator like Tony Robbins or Jordan Peterson, that's cool. But it might just be that you get yourself healthy and then your children are healthier as a result or your siblings or other family members, you know, your, even your parents. I know me and my dad, we, we're really, really tight. So we have a lot of conversations around this stuff. And, you know, as I was going through my own mental library of, of the shit that I've been through. I'm like, damn, I can't believe the shit I put my dad through and how horrible of a person I am because of the things that I put my dad through and just, you know, on a number of occasions, just completely breaking down and, and, and crying because, uh, I, I couldn't believe that I was capable of being that kind of a monster. And that's the, that's the self, uh, that's that radical self, realization that I, I can both be a hero and a monster in somebody's story somewhere I'm a horrible horrible person in somebody's story somewhere I saved their life and I have to just be good with both of those things and continue to pursue the latter where I'm helping as many people or I am the hero as many times as possible without you know becoming that 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 I know I'm completely capable of becoming Right. And we're we're not perfect. I mean, we all have our good sides and our bad sides and it's all a part of who mm-hmm. we are. And embracing that is super important. Just understanding and trying to live as much in the light as possible. You know, I really love Bob Marley, just the idea of, you know, light up the darkness. You you gotta be the light and everywhere you go, you know, that, and that's a big thing. You know, you, there's no such thing as like faking it till you make it. It's like, be it until you become it, and then you are it. And if I wanted to be a strong, confident man, what, is, what does that entail? Well, that means that if I have a conflict with my girlfriend, then, you know, punching a hole in the wall or screaming and yelling, that's not what a good man does. 
So what would a good man do in this situation? And I, I have to really be in tune with my emotions. Yeah, I'm probably angry or I'm frustrated or I'm, I'm sad or a million other things. But in those moments, it's like, okay, I'm recognizing that I'm feeling these ways. What's the best? What's, what would a good man do in this situation? A good man would be honest. A good man would be soft. A good man would be empathetic to what's, what's going on. A good man would look to find, you know, um, the, what, what's causing that situation and then come up with solutions to fix that and be decisive and calm those things. And so, you know, going through those every time I have some kind of conflict, especially, you know, when you're raising a kid, it's not, it's not all peaches and cream. It's, it's, it's tough work. So when, when there's moments of, of him testing my patience, it's like, well, what would a good dad do in this moment? Well, a good dad would not raise his voice. A good dad would be patient. A good dad would take his time and teach his son and lead his son to become great in and of himself. Help him find those lessons and learn those things. He wouldn't scream and yell and slam doors and ground him and even potentially hit him. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of moments where we have that opportunity to make those decisions. And, and when you stop for that you know, brief moment, internalize and, and assess what, what it is you hope to become, well, and, and then you just be that. You just be the light. You just be the thing. And like the muscle eventually becomes, you know, part of your nature and who you are, your character. Absolutely. Well, Devin, um, we're actually at the end of this awesome conversation. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, have... thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Do you have any um social plugins you want to tie in before we wrap up Yeah, you know what? Here? Me and my business partner and um, a really good friend of mine, we started a podcast uh, a couple of months ago, and we're just now rolling things out. So we got, I think, five episodes out on, on YouTube. Um, we have a TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as well, and a website. So the website's probably the fastest way that you can connect with us wherever you want to connect with us. Um, and that's the alpha project.com, but project is spelled with a K. Interest. That's an interesting way to spell yeah. it. Interesting. <laughs> we decided to take a little <laughs> spin on the idea. And, and it is, it's all about just being uh, true to yourself and, and, and self-aware and looking for ways to better yourself. So we're always trying to complex situations and ideas and, and really just have healthy conversations about what it means to be an alpha person. It doesn't specifically apply to men because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ladies out there too, who just want to really be good at, at being themselves and, and do good in this world. And so, um, th there's a lot of opportunity there for, for people to kind of join the conversation and, uh, learn as we learn and, you know, take some of our stories and life lessons and, um, kind of see the bigger picture of things. Awesome. Well, I definitely look forward to checking that out, and I'm sure many others as well, Devin. Again, thank you for joining me, and this was a real honor. Having yeah, you thank you so much for, for having me on. No problem. To all my listeners, stay healthy, stay safe, um, speak up, share your light, whatever that may be, and until next time. everyone thank you for listening to the latest episode of words of heart if you would like to leave a rating slash review or voice message 
of your thoughts on this latest episode or any episode for that matter, please do not hesitate to do so. You can leave me a voice message right here on Anchor. And if you would like to leave a review slash rating, you are welcome to do so on Apple Podcasts. You can find my podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podchaser, to name a few. My podcast is literally everywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you would like to speak to your heart warrior, that would be me, on a regular basis, you can reach out to me through Twitter. My Twitter handle is heartwarrior24. Again, it is heartwarrior24. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me with whatever is on your mind or just to simply chat. As always, I am here for you. In addition, I've also started integrating videos into my podcast. For those videos and more, you can follow me on my Facebook page, Words of Heart Podcast. Again, my Facebook page is called Words of Heart Podcast. So if you would like to know more about my podcast or anything pertaining to my podcast, feel free to like and subscribe to my page. And as always, I hope you guys are staying healthy and safe. And if you ever need anything or ever want anyone to talk to, I am here for you.